Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Why don't you guys uh, come have a have a seat? I am uh, just so so delighted to have you guys and uh, to welcome my uh, our guests uh, today. Uh, first, I also want to just say, uh, just echo uh, DJ sentiments. Uh, just amazing. Uh, that our church was able to make expenses this year. I, I'm so excited about that. Uh, 30 days ago, they were like, hey, yeah, let's applaud, let's applaud. So 30 days ago, uh, they showed me the numbers. I'm like, oh, man, come on, Lord. <laughs> you know? well, so thank you, everyone, and, and just great to, to be doing ministry together. And um, I'm really excited uh, about what we have uh, planned for today. Um, and so I want to introduce my guest. So the first, uh, first guest that we want to introduce here, Mr. The Eminence, Mr. Finney Thomas. Uh, just to give you a little background on him. Uh, he is by training an engineer. How many people here in the room, show of hands, know an engineer? Okay, quite a few. So you'll, you'll be at home in this place, I think. Uh, was trained at the India Institute of Technology. Uh, this is uh, the same school, for example, as the CEO of Google, uh, the, the, the Indian equivalent of MIT, Stanford, or UC Davis. Uh, what, are you, what are you laughing about? What? I hear some Aggies applauding in the back. Thank you. Um, so he is the CEO of JKPS after, I think, about 40 years uh, in the engineering field building like electric panels and things like that. He uh, took over. He had been on the board and became the CEO of JKPS, which is a large uh, Christian ministry in Kolkata and kind of the eastern uh, portion of India there uh, around Kolkata. And they just do like just some amazing work, uh, just uh, the kind of the full spectrum of, of what we call holistic ministry. And we'll have him explain that. But uh, uh, one of the most, more inspiring ministries I've ever come across. And so just so excited for you guys to get a chance to uh, meet them. Uh, Schumann and I both befriended Finney about uh, five years ago. Uh, became huge fans of his ministry. Um, I heard that Finney would be in the United States for uh, about six weeks. He has a, a daughter who lives in New Jersey and various kind of church contacts that he'd be traveling around. And I was just like, oh, is there any way you could come and just spend a little time with our church? So uh, on part of his visit from Kolkata to the United States, he actually flew from New Jersey uh, to be here with us today and then is, is going back. So we're really grateful for you. So welcome. Um, so uh, I, I thought a, a fun question to start us off, Finney, would be uh, the, the name Finney. I don't mean a lot of Finneys. Uh, tell us the story about how you got your name. He's Irish, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. <clears throat> you know, my grandfather uh, was a pastor of a church, and he's the one who dedicated me. So this is what they tell me. My father handed over me as a baby to his, hand, to his hands to be dedicated. And the name they, my father had decided for me was Benny. <laughs> so my grandfather took me into his arms and turned around to my father and said, uh, can we call him Finney? Little did the man have any chance of saying anything else. He says, okay. <laughs> and this is uh, named after, some of you would know, Charles Finney, who was an uh, 18th century, I think, evangelist in the U.S. who did a great amount of work. So I was named Finney. And not to disappoint my father, when my, our son was born, 
I named him Benny. <laughs> and Benny lives in Australia, in Melbourne. Uh, my daughter Betsy lives in New Jersey. And you live in Kolkata. I live so in what Kolkata. did you tell us about, uh, about the sun? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I said the sun never sets on my family. It's, when one rises in, the, in Australia, it sets in the U.S. and the other way around. Yeah, awesome. So we're going to come back and, and learn about the, the ministries that Finney leads in India. And I just hope that you will get to feel just a, a touch of the inspiration that I do as I've uh, known of their work. And so we're just really excited to, to have you here. I also want to introduce to you that, uh, someone that uh, you guys have met before, my Indian brother, Shumit. Uh, let's welcome Shumit. Um, Thank you for having me. So Shumit was the, uh, my friend that, that preached at my installation when I, I was first here. Uh, he is the senior pastor of uh, First Covenant Church in Eureka. And so he drove down. Uh, how long is that? Six hours or so? Five hours, 20 minutes. It's a lot of Hindi songs listening for yeah. five hours. <laughs> Some people collect baseball cards. Uh, Schumit collects master's degrees. What do you have? Six or seven now? Three master's three, degrees. Okay. Only three. Well, you got to get you got to yeah. get on it. Yeah. Um, but but uh, we became friends first in 2014 uh, when I had been at the church in Davis, and Schumit came uh, on staff, and we were colleagues together for uh, several years before I went to Ghana, and then we've just uh, stayed in touch through through the rest of the years, and just a really close brother. Um, I asked him, could he please send me a, 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 a biopic? And, and uh, Finney Thomas here uh, sent me a dignified biopic. But, but can you show what Schumit sent us? Uh, do we have that? Yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is supposed to be for the electronic board out on the front street. So we'll just show you. We just showed you, I think, maybe. <laughs> you can just leave that up, I think, for the, the whole... Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> I told you. I had to back up. No, just kidding. You can take it down. I told you I was going to show that. Um, but uh, uh, Shuin just uh, both cracks me up with his humor and also just inspires me with his wisdom, knowledge, insight. Uh, so we lure him to come visit us in Milpitas with the great Indian food that we have here. Uh, it's great. He, he misses it. I don't have as much access in Eureka, right? So no. we come here. We go to Kathmandu Kitchen. He says, I'll take one of everything, you know, and we walk out with bags. So. Uh, but anyway, just so great, uh, so great to have you both. So, um, so I want to—I'll just interview these guys and just uh, have a chance to um, to just know a little bit of their story and their work. Um, I had a, a great privilege uh, one time, maybe around 2015, I think, of uh, International Justice Mission asked uh, me to go before I worked for them. They asked me to go and, and along with a group of pastors of the United States, to go and see the work that they do in India. And, uh, and I shared that with, with Shumid, and he was also kind of excited to see it. And the, the, the offices that they were taking us to were the office in Bangalore and then in Kolkata. I'm like, no way, that's, that's where you're from. That's where you were born and where you grew up, and that'd be interesting. And, and uh, Shumid and I went with this team of pastors and traveled, and we saw, saw the work in Bangalore where we meet uh, victims of human trafficking. We meet the people, uh, our Christian brothers and sisters that are working to end human trafficking in the world. We visited aftercare homes we, uh, where people are cared for, and we just learned a lot about the work, and, and we went to actual locations where slave labor is, is still used today in various locations. And, we went to, and then we went from Bangalore to Kolkata, 
And I got a chance to visit with uh, Schumit's family and, and meet his, uh, his mother, his sister and brother, and, and the, their, their whole family there, and, uh, and just be on in uh, Schumit's old uh, stomping grounds there. And then as well as we were doing the, the International Justice Mission Tour. And so it was such a fascinating experience in which I was kind of, as we were moving to different areas, I'm hearing the, the IJM people ex- explain to us uh, what's happening. We went to the Kali Temple where there's a uh, history of of some practice including uh, temple prostitution dating back thousands of, of years and there's still kind of a, a red light district near there and, and a, a problem in that area. They took us to a, a red light district where there's 10,000 uh, uh, ladies in the sex trade in this one neighborhood um, and then introduced us to a bunch of inspiring Christian ministries that are trying to do something about that, to care for the ladies, to help them to escape um, Many of them are, are forced into this life, and uh, so they're working uh, with government partners to, to rescue them, uh, to get them healing and hope. Uh, we, we went to some places that do job uh, training and employment of these ladies, and it was just, it was just this uh, inspiring place. I remember we went to, I uh, remember Freeset, where we're there. Uh, it's a ministry where it's a, they, these Christian missionaries have bought a, um, bought a brothel, uh, huge, like four, five-story uh, place right in the middle of this red light district and turn it into a clothing manufacturer factory and then employed, then hired ladies and it gave them an opportunity out and, and, and a way to build a new life. Another place called Sari Bari. And they're just these incredible places where they were, they were a path out and um, gave them opportunities to, I mean, just, just the opportunities, just complete life change. And, and we, Shuman and I, were there part of a, a worship they begin their morning with worship, and it was uh, Shuman and I and this group of pastors and 300 prostitutes praising Jesus together. Uh, it was just incredible, um, just this life-changing uh, experience uh, for, for both of us to, to experience this. At the same time, uh, Shumit was able to share with me his own experiences of just of kind of life in this place and, 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 and kind of give me the narrative and, and, and even his own uh, childhood experiences there at that same uh, Kali uh, temple. Um, and uh, so, so Schumit, uh, uh, one thing that when you preached here last time, I thought, you know, I think my congregation would love to hear your testimony, because you didn't grow up Christian, um, and so you came, you came to Christ later in life, so grew up Hindu, uh, and then came to Christ and actually are now a, a pastor, and, uh, you know, we would just love to, to hear your story, and if you want to just share that story and maybe just reflect on any scripture that's been central to your life. Yeah, I'll uh, read a scripture. You know, it happens to be uh, the Epiphany Sunday when the church traditionally celebrated the coming of the Magi's. uh, And Jesus was revealed to them. So this is kind of an important Sunday as we celebrate how God has commissioned us to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus. So I'm going to read from John chapter 1, verses 19 through 22, or 23. And I will read it in my language. I will read it in my Bengali language, and then I will read it in English. Jerusalemer Yuhidira, Jokon Koegjon Jajok, O Lebioke Patie, Tar Purichoi Jante Chailo, Tokon, Johan, Ebhabe Shakko Dilen, Tini Shikar Kote, 
কুণ্ঠিত হলেন না বরং মুক্ত কণ্ঠে স্বীকার করলেন আমি সেই খ্রিস্ট নই তারা তাকে প্রশ্ন করল তাহলে আপনি কে আপনি কি এলিও তিনি বললেন না আমি নই আপনি কি সেই ভাববাদী তিনি বললেন না শেষে তারা বলল তাহলে কে আপনি আমাদের বলুন যারা আমাদের পাঠিয়েছে তাদের কাছে উত্তর নিয়ে যেতেই হবে নিজের সম্পর্কে আপনার অভিমত কি ভাববাতী জিসায়ের ভাষায় যখন উত্তর দিলেন আমি মরুপ্রান্তে এক কণ্ঠস্বর যা ঘোষণা করছে তোমরা প্রভুর জন্য পথ সরল করো দ্য ইংলিশ ট্রান্সলেশন ইজ দিস দিস ইজ দ্য ঠাস্টমনি given by John when Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer. For those who sent us, what do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. This is kind of interesting. We live in a culture where our identity matters. We are always working to beef our identity. Whether Indian, American, brown, black, white, middle class, computer engineers, identities matter. But when it comes to John, every time they ask him a question, he says no. Like they ask him, are you the Christ? And he says no. He could have easily got some reputation for himself by saying no, I don't, I'm not the Christ, but I know him. He's my family member. I do that often in America. Whenever I meet an Indian, I tell them about my uncle who's a famous movie actor. And sometimes I get free food. <laughs> See, he have benefits. But John doesn't do that. They ask him, are you the Elijah? They had this concept of Elijah who went up physically to heaven that he would physically come down. So John was denying their interpretation of coming of Elijah and was saying no. But he could have added to that. He could have said, yes, I have come in the spirit of Elijah. He could have said, yes, I'm not the prophet, but I'm also a prophet too. But he denied focusing on himself Denied beefing up his own identity, he said, I'm just a voice. A voice has no identity, it has a function. If I didn't know Matt, I would not recognize Matt by his voice. Voice just has a function, and what John is saying, I am nobody, but I will tell you what my function is, it is to point to Jesus. That's what, who we are. We spend so much of our lifetime working on our identity. I grew up in an Indian family in India where identity mattered. 
Because if you didn't do well in school, you brought shame to your family and you would be shamed. You see, I was no national treasure in India. He went to IIT. I didn't. I went to City College where attending classes were optional. <laughs> I was not good in math and science. So every time a math class would come around, I would sneak out of classroom and go hide in the Catholic chapel. I went to a Catholic school, Don Bosco. And when I would sit, hiding behind the pews because I didn't want to attend the math class, I would stare at Jesus. And I would watch him hanging from the cross. And it was something very powerful in my life. I was not a great student, but I liked reading stories. When my father brought bought me a book called Book of Knowledge. It had one story about Jesus, Jesus on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And that impacted me. I didn't know much about Jesus, but I started thinking, what kind of a man is he? That he prayed for the very people who crucified him. Like I said, I wasn't a good student. But I had this goddess named Saraswati, who was in charge of the Department of Education in Heaven. And I would go to him. Sometimes I would go to her, but sometimes I would bypass her and go to the head goddess, Kali. Thought, if I make a vow to Kali, maybe Kali will help me pass the exam. Sometimes it did not work. So I would go to this Kali temple and I would say, Kali, I will give you my blood from my chest. Will you please help me pass this exam? So the priest would bring a leaf and a sharp blade and I would cut my chest a little bit. They would take the blood on the leaf and take it to Kali and I would leave feeling happy that having studied not much, that I might pass. This is how I grew up. But then I came to the United States in 1992 to a little town called Sioux City, Iowa, to go to college and to party. I confused which one came first. But when I came to Sioux City, Iowa, I had 11 different odd jobs that I did. Because my dad had passed away in 87, I came to this country with $20 in my pocket, and I had to work, otherwise I could not pay my bills or my college, for my college education. So I worked at Sinclair gas station overnight. And in the morning, there was this couple who would come to deliver newspaper. Bill and Blanche Cole, they would walk in, drop the bundle of newspapers, grab a cup of coffee, and they were Assemblies of God Christians. They were Pentecostal, and they would share the love of Christ with me. Simple language, and would invite me to church, and would invite me to lunch, and since they invited me to lunch after church, I went to church with them. 
But Bill and Blanskol, just like John, they had no great education. They were simple folk from a small town in Iowa dropping off newspaper, but they were the voice in their own social context of that wilderness crying out to me and pointing me to Jesus. I started working out at a gym because I was alone and I often would face racism in the Midwest and I wanted to be big and bad so nobody could mess with me. So as I was working out in gym, I had this youth pastor who was also working out. And he started ministering to me. He started talking about Jesus. Even in the midst of that gym, he invited me to lunches and started talking about reading the Bible. He, in his own social context, in his wilderness, became that voice calling out and pointing me to Jesus. After I left Sinclair Gas Station, I started working at a retirement home as a certified nurse's aide overnight, and we had this woman named Cassandra. She started speaking me to Jesus, speaking me to me about Jesus. There were voices. Even when my <coughs> first girlfriend left me, and I was devastated. I thought she was the one. And I started drinking. And I ran out of alcohol. So I called a cab driver. And that cab driver drove me to the local grocery store, Fairway grocery store. And I was bawling. And I was sharing with him. You know, when you're drunk, you share your life with anyone you meet. And I was sharing with him how my girlfriend left me, how the dog ran away, how my life is a country song. <laughs> As he dropped me off, he gave me a book. It was on the life of Jesus Christ. He, in his social context, in his wilderness, became that voice crying out and pointing me to Jesus. This is how I came to Christ. And finally I met the God to whom I don't have to come with my own blood to get something out of him. But he is the God who gave me his blood and said, I give you life and life to the fullest. And today I'm a pastor at a church because of all these people who played their role in my life. <clears throat> they partnered with the Holy Spirit to bring me one step closer to Christ. No one ever closed the deal, but they all played a part in my life to bring me to that point the day I got baptized. The question for you, what role are you playing in the lives of the people you encounter in your social context? It could be simple. You go out with your office buddies for lunch. You bow down and pray. That will trigger their curiosity. They will say, oh, you religious? Then you say, yeah, the meal is from God. I believe Jesus gives me everything. 
You go to the gym, you're lifting. Before you lift, you kneel down and just go like this. Everyone looking around going, what's wrong with this guy? Or this gal? And you get to share Jesus. There are ways. Simple ways of inviting people to lunch. Having a picture of Jesus hanging from your wall. Creating conversations Taking your own social context in which God has placed you to be that voice. Because your identity, no matter who you are, engineer, doctor, Indian, American, those identities are important. But what is more important is your function for which God has placed you on this earth. Are you a voice crying out, make straight way? For the Lord. That's my testimony. Amen. Your, your testimony is so inspiring in so many ways. Uh, one of which is the idea that, that uh, each of us, the, the way that so many people played a role, uh, just, just casual interactions with you, just a little word here, a little word there, a little book here, just... Uh, added up to everything for which you, you are so grateful. So many of us, I think, are afraid that, oh, what if I take a step out and say something and it's offensive, but it's so, so encouraging to hear you reflect on all those people who did that for you with, with gratitude and your life transformed. I also, ever since you first uh, shared me your, your story about offering blood to Kali and then hearing Jesus is the one that would give his blood for you, I, I, I think about communion differently uh, every time and I approach it, which we will later, just a little more reverence for, for its meaning. Um, Shuma and I, we, um, when we were in Kolkata, we had a really profound experience. I think I, sh I shared with you fairly recently uh, about a visit to a home where girls were rescued from brothels. And, uh, and they had the talent show for us. And, and, and then we, do you remember when we, <laughs> they taught us to dance uh, and just this incredible experience of seeing joy on the other side of such horrific uh, abuse. Uh, so, so we came, came back with a, a passion for uh, increasing the, the a real bottleneck in trying to rescue these girls is, is having a, a safe place for them to go. And uh, so we asked the International Justice Mission to connect us with uh, a home. That what's, the, what's the best home? Who can we partner with? Because we want to try to increase the capacity uh, for... Um, for homes there, and uh, they connected us with um, the, the work that JKPS does, uh, the, the, specifically the homes are called Mahima, and uh, these are the Christians, the one Christian option uh, for uh, girls rescued from uh, the sex trafficking industry that's so prevalent there, and uh, it's a model home. It's, it's the thing that uh, iGEM said, hey, this is probably the, the best thing going in the world uh, right now, certainly in, 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 in this area, and uh, this is what we'd love to see replicated. Um, and so they introduced us to Smita. If we could show, show a picture. So this is, uh, this is our friend uh, Smita, who was formerly the director of aftercare with the International Justice Mission in Kolkata and then became passionate about having a Christian home for the girls to go to. And so she founded Mahima, uh, originally one home which grew uh, into multiple uh, places. And uh, the first kind of venture for Schumann and I, we got to know her and uh, we raised uh, money to build an extension onto uh, one of those homes to, and to uh, fund it for, for uh, its first year to get started. And so 
Uh, that was uh, January 2016, about five years ago. We kind of raised uh, money, and they were able to, to do that. And we just became uh, friends with Smita, and that relationship uh, uh, continued. I, I told so many people that, uh, to me, uh, as I got to know Smita, she was the, the, most, uh, the person most like Jesus Christ of anyone that I had met. I was like, this is who I want to be spiritually when, whenever, I, whenever I grow up. Uh, just incredible. Um, and then uh, a cyclone hit uh, Kolkata in 2020 and ripped the roof uh, off of the boys' home there. And it was just a, just a devastating damage all in the middle of, of COVID and all of that. And, and um, so our church in Florida actually raised money along with uh, Shuet uh, and his church um, to, to help uh, put the roof back on that home. And so we've just had a relationship for a number of years. Uh, and um, Mahima, the, the, the home for the girls, is part of a larger uh, ministry called JKPS that, that does just some incredible things. And so I'm hoping, uh, as, uh, that Finney, that you can share with us um, about JKPS. And uh, particularly, it's, it's a, if you can also just teach us what the word holistic ministry means and then illustrate that with, um, with all that you guys do at JKPS. Thank you, Matt. Uh, the name JKPS is a tongue twister for most people. It stands for Jatio Christio Prochar Samiti. Uh, the English translation for those words are Christian National Evangelism Commission. And... Uh, the, we, we are involved in holistic transformation of people in, in the sense that we're not just concerned about the spiritual, but also the physical and the material. Uh, I have an illustration for that, which I use very often. And that is, uh, you know, we have a lot of polluted rivers in India. One of the biggest rivers in India is the Ganges, which is extremely polluted, and there's a lot of effort in trying to uh, reduce the pollution. And for me, it looks like there are two activities one has to do. One is to stop the pollutants that enter the river, and the other is to heal the people who drink water out of the river. The pollutant, as we all know, is nothing but sin. Sin, having entered into the lives of people, has caused damage, extensive damage across everything. We know this is a fallen world. And our way of tackling sin is we have Bible colleges, a Bible college, and we have a planting of churches. And we also have social enterprises, which we would see one after the other. I would say that JKPS uh, stands on four different pillars. The first is community development. As you can see the slide, yeah. We operate in the various districts of the state of West Bengal and the neighboring states of Bihar and Jharkhand. And uh, we plant churches we would have planted close to around 300 churches in the last 40 years. And uh, as you can see, we provide safe drinking water, we provide medical help, 
We run medical camps. We do uh, uh, microcredit programs, help especially for women to start their own businesses. So this is one of the pillars. Can we go to the next slide? I'll, uh, can we move to the next slide? I'll come to Justice Initiative last. Then we have a Bible college. We would have graduated around 300 grad, uh, students up till now. These are uh, boys and girls that go out into the villages to plant churches. On an average, maybe 10 to 12 in a year. There is a vocational training which is given to them on the campus where they learn animal husbandry, where they learn vegetable gardening. We have uh, all that over there. And apart from the Bible College, which is a two-year course right now, we have various ways of discipling those who come to Christ. We have programs for men and women, short-term courses which run throughout the year. And uh, that's part of our training program. Go to the next slide, please. And the third pillar is serving children, sponsoring the education of children in schools. Uh, we support them not only with their tuition fees, we buy their stationery, their books, provide them medical help. We have tutoring centers, which is known as knowledge hubs, where children come in the evening to be tutored on the very same subjects they learn in school because very often the education which they get in school is not so good. And uh, we have summer camps. Uh, you would be happy to know that last year, year before last, last year we didn't have summer camps. Year before last, we had 13,000 children come for summer camps in 200 locations. So what we do is we get the leaders of these locations to come together in the month of February, where we train them with the course for the summer camps, teach them what are the crafts they're going to teach, the songs they're going to teach, and they go back and conduct this. I hope this year we would be able to have one, God willing, if COVID is not there. Otherwise, these summer camps are done online. We go back to that video on justice initiatives, which I would like to spend a little more time on. Uh, it was about 12 years back that International Justice Mission came to us and said, listen, we do a lot of rescue of minor girls who are trafficked. And unfortunately, these girls need to be put into government homes. And the situation in the government homes are not at all good. You have 300 to 400 of them cramped up together in these government homes, and the girls were saying that, listen, we were better off in the brothels. Why did you bring us here? So we want to have quality aftercare. So can you set up small, a, one small home for about 25 girls where you would give them quality uh, aftercare? So we set up the first home. That's about 12 years back, Mahima Umang, for 25 girls. And when we talk of quality aftercare for 25 girls, we have almost 25 people on staff. That includes the house mothers, the cooks, the counselors, the doctor who comes to look at them every day, the private tutors. So it's, uh, as you can see, it's costly when you have to have 25 people 
on an average looking after 25 girls. Very soon that the home was uh, overflowing, we had to set up the second home, that was Mahima Umid. Uh, then we had to set up the third home because we were getting girls who would come at the age of 14 or 15 and we could keep them only till the age of 18. When they became major, they had the choice of leaving the home. But they were not ready to leave because they hadn't learned any skills, they hadn't had any education, and if we left them, they would go back to the trade. We set up the third home for the adults, so girls who graduated out of the uh, minor girls' home. But then the game plan changed. Most of the minor girls were not taken into the red light areas, they started operating from private residences and it was very tough for the police to track and get them. So uh, it became, even IGM for that matter, uh, got out of this rescuing game. Uh, finally, what happened was there were many sex workers who had children, boys and girls of their own, no biological father, but these children were growing up with their parents who were in the trade. And they somehow wanted us to take away the children so that we could give them a better life. So we used Mahima Umid for the girls, that's daughters of sex workers. And they set up the fourth home, the boys' home, Mahima Premanand, for the boys' sons of sex workers. So this is the work that is being done. We set up a center in the heart of the red light area of Sonagachi, as Matt said, there are about 10,000 sex workers there. Uh, the children come together every day for evening, for learning songs, for learning spoken English, computers. The mothers come every week for a time of counseling. We do medical help over there. So it's like an oasis in the heart of the red light area. We do awareness programs. We go out into the villages and we uh, teach villagers of how to protect their girls and how to keep their children safe. Very often, uh, somebody comes up to the family and said, listen, we'll offer a job to your daughter in another city. And the child goes off and that's the last you hear about that child. So we taught them how to keep, uh, have you know, a birth certificate. Very often they didn't even have a birth certificate. It becomes tough to track the child. Awareness programs in schools and colleges in Calcutta to teach the children how to remain safe, what is a good touch and what is a bad touch, how not to uh, start creating a, a market for sex. So that's the line of work which we do. Right now, we have two big ticket programs. One is to set up the fifth home. The home is constructed, ready for the last two years, waiting for a license from the government to operate. This is going to be for 50 girls in a new district of West Bengal. And the, the last one is the construction of another home. It's in honor of Smita. It's called the Smita Memorial Mahima Home. We've already got procured the land and we're waiting for God to provide the funds when we start building up that home. 
So friends, this inner capsule is what we are involved in, and I pray that you will continue to remember us in your prayers. Uh, just a whole picture of what you do is so, so inspiring. I love the image of the, the river. And uh, you'll, you're simultaneously working to bring healing to the people who have been, who've been damaged uh, by, by the sin in the world uh, and, and, and also working to plant churches and to proclaim the gospel uh, to, to stop sin at its, at its source, uh, thereby cleaning up the river and healing the people. It's a, it's a great image. And... Um, um, it's, 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 who, it's who we want to be. We want to be people that can proclaim the gospel, a saving knowledge of Christ, and also be caring for people's you know, material and uh, physical uh, needs. And so it's a great, uh, you're a great role model for us uh, as a church. Um, you, you've also been, been leading uh, this incredible ministry through some incredible, uh, incredibly painful uh, experiences. Um, uh, we mentioned the, of course, COVID, which has which has uh, happened and it hit uh, your area particularly hard. And under lockdown, um, for us, we have a different experience in lockdown than in a city where people are are living, where many people are living, kind of day to day, eating from what they make in that day. And so there's there's a quite a challenge when there's a lockdown among people that are kind of daily wage. Workers, uh, there's a struggle. How, how will they eat? And uh, and your church, your whole ministry, mobilized and cared for people, uh, making sure they had food, and seeing a lot of people through this incredibly uh, tough situation, and, and caring for people that had COVID uh, that didn't have access to uh, to other other help. Um, a cyclone hit Kolkata, uh, ripped a ripped a roof uh, off of one of the homes, and, and just completely. I just destroyed the inside and and, uh, and and then of course uh, the the really uh, most difficult uh, tragedies uh, Smita that I showed you a picture of that was our, our dear friend introduced us to Finney uh, she got COVID and uh, I was te- I was texting what's happening with her through, throughout her experience and praying for her and we thought that she had uh, she had recovered and gotten past it and was like oh pray for my mom. Uh, but then, but then Smita died and went to go be with the Lord. Uh, and then, uh, not soon after that, um, uh, your wife uh, Susan also got COVID, and uh, she also went to go be with the Lord. And so, uh, you had the double grief of losing Smita, sort of this right hand director of your Mahima Homes and, and director, and then, and then, and then your beloved wife Susan uh, also. And uh, in the midst of your incredible grief of losing your, 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 your wife, uh, losing Smita, the uh, cyclones hitting and COVID, all of that, you've been continuing to lead bravely through all of that pain. And I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you continue to do it. Uh, so I, I wonder if you'd share with us, how has God, how has God seen you through such incredible, incredible grief and challenge? Yes, it was uh, really tough here. Smita's passing was a big shock to all of us. And uh, though I was her boss, we never operated on that level. We worked together. 
and there was hardly anything which she would ask me which I could say no to. She was such a charming person and as you know, a, a real role model for everybody. Yes, God is leading us uh, on. We're still searching for someone who could step into those shoes. Those shoes are really big. It's difficult to find somebody, but do pray for that. Then, of course, when my wife passed away, that again was a very big shock. Uh, I came back to an empty home. As, I, as you know, as I said, my children are not with me and I have no relatives there. But though I was alone, I was, I've never been lonely. God has been my portion. And uh, uh, he brought in a whole lot of people who could step into that vacuum in many, many ways. People from church, people from office. And uh, God has given me a lot of strength. The, uh, if you ask me for a verse from the Bible which... Uh, helps me. It's Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which you know not. You know, it's, uh, we need to call unto God. And I've been calling unto him, and he has heard my voice, and he shows me. When he shows me things means I need to take my eyes off myself, the pain which I go through, and look at things which he does. And when I look around, I see so many great, great things happening, both in ministry as well as in my personal life. Uh, I was able to, two weeks back, go and see two of my grandsons born in two years, who I've not been able to see because of COVID, who haven't been able to travel. So he's doing great things, both in my personal life as well as in terms of my work. And he strengthens me, and he leads me day by day. Amazing. Amazing. It's been uh, just a total inspiration to see you uh, persevere uh, and, and, and lead, lead bravely and diligently in the context of such, um, just such pain and, and loss. Um, I think God has uh, really blessed the ministry by, by giving them you. Um, I, um, I was hoping uh, that, uh, well, one thing is that if you'd like to know more, if you'd like to uh, hear more about this ministry, we're going to have a reception over in the fellowship hall right after church, and you're invited, and uh, there's just going to be some, there's some snacks uh, there. You can come and have some snacks, and it's a question, open question and answer time where you can ask more and and, uh, you know, just any question you can, can throw out to, to either uh, Schumann or Finney, and, and um, we'll have some time of fellowship over there. So I just encourage you, if you want to just drop by for a little while, uh, you're, you're welcome to join us at the, the Q&A time at the reception. I also wanted to uh, know that a, a lot of you will feel passionate about this uh, ministry, as I do. And so our church is going to be giving a love offering uh, to JKPS to continue the, the work of the ministry, the, to the whole the picture, the, to help the Mahima homes um, uh, that are helping these, uh, uh, these girls and young boys and um, uh, to, the, to the children they're working with, to the church planting effort, just to that, that whole uh, holistic ministry approach. And so if you're interested, you can um, write a check to the church in the memo line. You can put love offering uh, or JKPS. 
Uh, you can also do that online. I'm not exactly sure how to designate online, but uh, I'm sure someone could, could help uh, figure that out. And, um, and we'll put it all together and make a contribution from our church uh, to help fund JKBS. And, and if you're interested also in just having a direct uh, relationship with them, uh, you can talk to Finney about that uh, at the reception. And there's, there's ways that you can, um, can sponsor uh, their work as well directly. And um, so just would encourage you to consider that. Uh, I'm hoping that you guys, before we close our time and we're gonna move to the, to the communion, I hope you guys, would you be willing to just pray over, over our church? Shall we pray? God, our Heavenly Father, I especially want to thank you for giving me this opportunity of coming and meeting my brothers and sisters here in Christ Community Church. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing what you do in our ministries. Lord, I especially want to thank you for this church. I thank you for its leadership. I especially bring Matt before you, even as he leads I pray for a double portion of thy anointing upon him, that he would lead uh, this church to greater heights, that he would enlarge the boundaries of this church, that not only would you bring in more people, but you would also uh, enable them to go deeper into thy word and a stronger relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for all what you have been doing in and through this church in this city. And we pray, Lord, that in the days ahead, we would learn more of how you have worked in and through this church. I want to pray for each person gathered here in this sanctuary today, each family represented here, all those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one of us. Help us to be witnesses unto thee, as we heard this morning, pointing out Jesus to others in our own small way, wherever we are, to brighten the corner where we are. Thank you once again, Lord, for today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for leading us in worship today. Thank you for being here, just for being part of this uh, fellowship, this mission that we are all on uh, together to be what Schumit told us to be, the the voice in the wilderness pointing the way to the Lord. Uh, he is uh, our portion and our strength, as Finney shared with us. And we can do all things through him, and so we're so grateful. Um, if you'd like, uh, we'll be over in the Fellowship Hall having snacks and learning more, uh, particularly from Finney, about his work and uh, just fellowshipping together. You're also invited to the, hang out in the coffee shop as well. Now, I uh, invite you to stand and hear this benediction, this blessing. May you be the eyes of Christ in this world that see the pain and brokenness. May you be the feet of Jesus Christ in this world that walk toward that pain. And may you be the arms of Jesus Christ that wrap people in your arms and show them the love of Christ. God bless you.